Hi, and welcome to the podcast, The Other Woman and the Wife, where we do a deep dive into understanding why infidelity exists and what we can learn from it. Today, I am joined by Julie. Julie and I met on TikTok almost a year ago, and she's going to share with us her personal experience with infidelity and what she has learned from it. She has been in an affair for 20 years now with periods of no contact, and she has also been the betrayed wife. She has a very unique perspective, a fresh perspective. I absolutely love the way that Julie communicates and really leads with a heart of understanding and desire to love others. And without further ado, here is Julie. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience with infidelity? Sure. I have been both the betrayed and the other woman. Started out as being the betrayed. I'd been married for 12 years and met someone, a very brief encounter. And when I came home, my husband had found out that I'd been talking to this person just a couple of times. And through that, I pulled some phone records and found out that my husband had been having an affair for about four or five months with his ex-girlfriend from college. Well, okay. Great timing for both of you, I think. I guess. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we had some marital problems that we weren't dealing with very well since we we both seem to be on that same track at the same time weird timing is right um i yeah i think it is interesting because i do have i remember having a moment where i had said no don't call me anymore my husband's super jealous if he finds out i'll kill you and i remember driving home and thinking wow you know if i can turn down this this you know temptation i think i'll be married forever you know i've gotten through this We've gotten through all the other stuff. I think I'll be married for a long time. That was what I was thinking, you know, probably two days before all this happened. Wow. Boom. Yeah. And so that just prompted me through that. I stayed for about six months to try to work it out for the kids. But I was still in touch with my affair partner through that because my now ex-husband did call him and threatened to kill him. And so through that... We started communicating just, you know, him to call and find out if I was okay. And I think he felt a little bad that this was the catalyst to my now divorce. And so Mm -hmm. we became confidants for about six months and just became very good friends. And then it went from there. Just so just so I'm clear, how how long ago did your affair begin? Oh, it's almost 20 years now. 20 years. 20 years. Yes. On and off. You know, there were times where we were not together. And then there were times when we were, usually when we were not together, it was because things weren't moving fast enough or he wasn't ready to leave and I wanted more. And so I'd have to leave him to go find more. And then when I couldn't or when I didn't, a lot of times we'd just run into each other somehow in the ethers and and reconnect. Has the affair maintained its level of depth and connection that you initially found? Yeah, um, my affair has grown quite a bit. And even in the last year, just since I've been in contact with you, I think my affair has grown quite a bit. When I met you, I think I was at a really flux kind of place in my affair, where I was really thinking seriously about ending it for good. And 
I think I've kind of come full circle in that a little bit and I'm kind of in a, a different place now, but I think I've really grown a lot and I've learned a lot. And I think the times that we were apart were probably really necessary for, for me anyway. I don't know how much he's grown, to be honest. <laughs> you know, he's still married. I don't know how much has changed for him. I think our relationship has grown, definitely, but I don't know if as a person, he's had as much growth as I have. Since he hasn't changed his situation and he's still in the bad marriage and I've grown tremendously since getting a divorce. Do you think that he has taken an approach towards the relationship that he has with you similar to the one that you've had with yourself? Or do you feel like he's just been kind of stagnant? I don't think he's stagnant. I think he has a really different perspective of our relationship in that he sees us as having this very strong connection and being friends first, having a really deep connection there and kind of helping each other get through life. I think he feels the same spiritual connection that I do. And he doesn't discount that there's something going on there that we just keep reconnecting and running into each other. So I think he believes that we do have a deep connection, but I don't know that either one of us believe that that connection is meant to be a marriage, a blended family, a monogamous union. I think we both have that feeling that we support each other in our lives and we're helping each other get through this life. Mm -hmm. I think I've had to grow, grow more into that perspective. At first, I probably fought that quite a bit because I was looking for a replacement husband. You know, I hadn't really grown much as an individual. And so I was just looking to replace him and for somebody else to save me and solve all my problems. So there's that aspect as well. Who has been consistently solving your problems for the last 20 years? I have. Mm -hmm. With he help, I'm not saying that he does not support me, but one thing he has really taught me is how to be very independent, how to live on my own and how to take care of myself. He's helped me a lot in my career given me a lot of really great advice and help, helped me a lot advance in my career. So I'd say he's been my biggest cheerleader and my biggest supporter, and he's been a constant. He's always there for me. He's always been there for me. And I believe he always will be there for me. And vice versa, I think, you know, our foundation is a friendship first. I don't believe it's limerence. Like all relationships start with that. Hopefully, if you're lucky, you have that because that's exciting and fun. But it goes way deeper than that at this, you know, point in time and in how much time we've spent together. In in a lot of ways, it's 20 years. It's like a marriage in a lot of ways. You know, we've ha we've watched each other's kids grow up. We've helped each other uh, navigate through, you know, child rearing and all kinds of, of things, job changes, um, relationship issues, friendships. One of the things that really compels me towards you is uh, I see you very much as a fulfilled individual who utilizes a relationship in the way that it is intended to be utilized, which is the support of each other as you seek personal individual growth. And I'd love to have uh, your insight on how not to die to yourself inside of a relationship. Oh gosh, that's such a good question. And it's a good question because I struggled with that quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I think that, you know, one of my biggest issues coming out of, of my marriage and being at a really insecure 
place or having low self-esteem at the time that I came out of my marriage and having to go to counseling and read a lot about codependency. And I would say that, you know, my biggest problem is I just get addicted to, to the men I'm with, you know, and I think codependent people do that. It's, a, it's an addiction to people. Mm. And that is something I've had to really work through very early on in my divorce. I had to work through that. And I think through books like Codependent No More and. By Melody Beattie. Yeah. I mean, I think that that book really helped me. I have that book by somewhere around here with notes and tabs. And I've shared that book with a hundred people. I, I find that just to be like a codependent Bible. And that really helped me quite a bit. And that was kind of the catalyst to me starting to really work on not getting lost in other people and not losing myself. And I think when, even though breakups are super hard and they're super painful, whenever you're in a breakup and you get to this this place where all of a sudden you're in touch with yourself again, and it's almost like, oh, this is who I was in high school, or this is this is who I am at my core. This is... I'm getting back in touch with myself again. I'm feeling like a whole person again. And that's kind of when you know that you were not in a healthy relationship. After the fact, hindsight. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get out of those, you know. And at the time, we all kind of know, but getting out of it is a whole different animal, isn't it? So I have another question for you. Why shouldn't the end of a relationship ruin your life? I think a lot of people who are listening to this podcast think that the end of a relationship is going to result in their demise. And just what are your thoughts on that? And what what would you say to someone who who was holding tight to the belief that their future was dependent on this relationship existing in the future? Well, I think that largely depends on who's ending the relationship and how it's ending. And I, I touched on this today because ego is such a big part of our lives. So if another woman is ending your relationship and she's the one contacting you and telling you, your ego is going to get very involved in that. It's going to become a competition. You're not stealing my husband. Mm -hmm. If a friend comes in and does a whole different animal, now you can blame the husband. So I think it depends on who's breaking up. I've had situations where a husband has left you know, my best friend, maybe, for instance, and she's been devastated and hasn't been able to get off, over it, move on for seven years. For me, I left. I wanted out. It was my decision. He begged me to stay. I had total choice in the matter. I could have stayed or I could have left. And I think that makes a big difference. And then it's not going to end your life. You think of it as a beginning. So when you're ending the relationship, you're looking at it as a beginning. You're looking at either another relationship that who you're, you know, you're going to get into another relationship. You found someone else or you're just going to get your freedom and you're going to get away from something that's toxic. And that feels like a new beginning. But when you don't want the relationship to end, it feels like something's being taken from you. And that's a that's a very different situation. Oh, I love the way you said that. When you don't want the relationship to end, it feels like something's being taken from you. How do you get yourself to a place where you can discern that you at your core actually do want the relationship to end? 
You have to let go of fear. I think so many things that keep us stagnant in, in where we are, are are fear. We have so much fear of the unknown. When I was married and I was so unhappy, I'd look in the mirror. I had small children and I'd say, if I walk out of this house, I'm going to be living in a you know one bedroom apartment on the bad side of town. My kids are going to be going to you know bad school. It was just all, I'm not going to be able to provide life for my children that I want to. And I'm going to sacrifice my own happiness and I'm going to be miserable so that everybody else around me can be happy because that's my role as a mother. You know, I just have to give up my entire being to make sure that my kids are protected and they're happy and they have every possible chance. And so I think fear just just blinds us. We do not see our future. We see our future with this one person. We've planned it with this one person, our entire uh, life is laid out before us with this one person that we're planning on growing old with on a porch with our grandkids. And anything that alters from that just is is dark and black and has no, you know, there's just, there's nothing there. And so it's very hard to see. And I talked about that when I was leaving my house and how I stripped down to nothing. And then I stripped the furniture away and then I stripped the walls away and how I was just standing in a field naked and I just walked out. Because that's what you've got to do. You have, you've got to realize that you're making a life change. You're not just leaving a relationship or you're not just leaving your husband. If you've been married for a while, you've got friends together, you've got family, all that's going to change. And you have to have a positive attitude enough to, you know, like that glass is half full, not half empty thing to be able to, like, like we've talked about this before, no matter what comes your way that you know you can handle it, that you have the skills and you have the tools within you to handle whatever comes your way. And And you have a a well-documented history of you doing exactly that, but your focus is so external that you actually can't even see how far you've already carried yourself. Exactly. And I think for me personally, I have faith. You know, I was raised Christian. I'm a believer, and I have a very strong, deep relationship with God. And I do believe that God leads the way and presents opportunities and presents open windows. And you're either going to stare at the closed door and focus on the closed door, or you're going to turn around and open the window and, you know, fly away and go somewhere else. I remember telling you something very sacred to me an experience that was very sacred to me and how I felt very alone in that experience I hopefully you know which experience I'm alluding to and you said to me all that was was you just desiring an authentic experience with God and I was just like floored by your grace in that moment. And that was really impactful for me. Everybody has to have their own relationship and their own path, whatever it is. You know, it doesn't have to be my God, your God. It can be any, any higher being. Some people are really um, into metaphysics. I think all those things just kind of point to being self-aware and filling your heart with love and then being able to project that onto other people. And, and a lot of that has to do with forgiveness and letting go of, you know, old 
resentments and bitterness. And I think, and I've said this before too, pain comes from refusal to bend. And so Mm -hmm. when you stuck in that place and you refuse to bend out of that place, they can't see that light at the end of the tunnel. And the tunnel, that liminal space that we don't like to be in those. Yeah. I always think about like when I'm frustrated, like where does my frustration come from? And it comes from me being disappointed in a set of circumstances. And then once I take it to the next level, I'm like, where were my expectations? Like, where were my expectations? Like, why am I so disappointed in the fact that like this is outside of my control? Why am I not more focused on what is within my control? And I feel like every time I experience frustration, it is like a experience of being able to recenter myself. Yeah, I think we'd all be a lot better off if we would just simply understand that every single person on this planet is going to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. And okay. you're disappointing people every day and you just don't feel that way, probably. And people are flawed and God probably made us that way so that we would only rely on him. Yes. Yes. So I want to kind of get back into a couple of the questions that I had slated for you, because I think that you are such a thoughtful, inspiring thinker. Why don't men leave the marriages? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of different types of cheaters, right? So if we're talking about men that are are in an affair or in love with somebody else or not being faithful in a serial sort of way, they all have different reasons, right? The serial cheater, why would he leave? Unless she's going to kick him out. He's having a great time. He's having his cake and eat it too. And the feeling, the feels aren't there, right? He's just able Mm -hmm. to go multiple partners and he's just in it for the thrill or the ego stroke, whatever, then you have, you know, people that are actually falling in love and wanting to be together and talking about being together. And as someone who is married, I can just tell you, it's not an easy decision. There's so much more involved than just these two people. You're again, you're not just leaving the marriage you're leaving the family, you're leaving the friends, the couple friends, everything changes. And so it's a decision to change your life not just change your partner. Mm-hmm. And so that is much harder because when you talk about disappointment, then you're not just disappointing your spouse. You may not even like or care, but you're mm-hmm. disappointing a lot of people. Maybe you're disappointing your own parents. I've known a lot of people that would not get divorced until their parents passed away. They were just mm-hmm. not to disappoint their father or their mother. So I think it has a lot to do with external, the things that are outside of the box, you know, all the stuff that's outside of the box. And then, you know, guilt. I think for men, they're the provider. They're supposed to take care of the family. A lot of times in traditional marriages, the wife may be stay-at-home wife and depends financially on the husband. And sometimes they're just financially not in a position or they don't want to give them half the money. I've had friends that are very wealthy females that don't leave their husbands because they don't want to pay them half of their money. And I think money has a huge, huge, huge influence over when, why, how you leave. And kids, you know, the family. 
Well, it's interesting. I just kind of want to point you back to one of your greatest fears when you were in the marriage with your husband was that by leaving that marriage, you were going to be offering your children a different level of lifestyle. And that was a big concern to you. While yes, that does kind of center around money. When I talk to men who are currently deliberating about whether to leave or not, they actually struggle with the idea of putting their wives in a situation where they are having to live on the other side of town for whatever reason. And then they have, you know, somebody else in their ear saying, but it's your money. And it's like, it's so much bigger. Like the way that these people are assessing their circumstance is so much more broad than just them and uh, their attachment to money, but rather how money serves as a way to protect the livelihood of people that they care about like deeply. I think another part of that is that when you're in an affair, you don't expect it to last very long. You know, you don't, you're not in it. You don't get in, nobody gets into, I mean, I didn't anyway, you know, I didn't plan. I never thought I'd be in an affair in my entire life. I was said, no way. So, you know, you get into these situations and you think, oh, this isn't going to last. And then I used to have this conversation with my affair partner all the time. We'd say, do you think this is going to blow over? Don't you think this is just going to run its course? This is going to run its course, right? And then after about, you know, five years, seven years, we're like, this is not running its course. It's not going to run its course. And so I, I think you kind of have a different, ad, you know, you don't go into them looking for a partner. You don't go into affairs looking for a life partner. Mm-hmm. So your criteria, your criteria is much different when, when you get into an affair. The reason that you fall for them is very personal, very personal. Mm-hmm. What are the qualities of a relationship that make it last long term? I think obvious, the obvious ones are communication, but intimacy is really important. I think people really take that for granted. Intimacy is is an, an anchor almost that keeps you connected. It's like a line between you. Being able to fully see someone, let them fully see you. I believe that is the secret to not hold back, to be brutally honest, and to... Can you expand a little bit on your understanding of intimacy as the brutally honest stuff? Because I I feel like I understand, I feel like I personally understand where you're headed with this, but I'd almost love for you to give me a real life example for listeners to be able to understand what intimacy is, because people immediately think the intimate section of JCPenney And I'm like, it is not that like, get your head out of the freaking gutter. Like we're talking about like raw vulnerability. Like I know the ugliest parts of Stan and he knows the ugliest parts of me. You think about the relationship you have with your children, for instance, you have probably the most intimate relationship in your life you have with your children. You're changing their diaper, you know them, you know, all their flaws, you know, you know, you know, think about that. And then this is just something that always sticks in my head. A celebrity, I think it was one of Paltrow said when she was doing that whole unconscious coupling thing with Chris Martin, she was talking about relationships. And one thing she said that kind of hit me different, she said, I never make him think he's in trouble. 
And I've talked a lot about not mothering your partner and, and equity in relationships and how no one wants to fuck their mother. Sorry, can I cuss? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, please do. <laughs> and so when I communicate, and I'll give you an example because I just went through this with, with my AP, is I come from a place of understanding. It's never you're psychotic, you're weird, you're crazy, you're sick, you've got problems, I'm mad at you, you lied, how could you do that? It's, it, I always try to come from a place of understanding because I think when you go to therapy, that's kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. you, you learn so much about each other that then you can understand why they act the way they do. And once you have an understanding of why someone is acting, what's the root cause of that behavior, you know it's not personal. Nothing is personal. It's not personal. No one's trying to hurt you. It's not intentional. We don't have affairs to hurt our, our husbands or hurt our partners. It's something we want for ourselves aside from you, outside from you. And so I think you can't take these things personal. And so when I talk to my AP, I don't take anything personal. If he's done something to hurt me, I don't sit there and say, oh, he did that on purpose and I'm so angry. We just, we talk about it. And I will say, I know why you did this. It makes sense to me. I know why you did it, but it's still not acceptable for me. And you have to be willing to walk. You can't try to change other people. You can only change yourself. And when you change yourself, they will be forced to change around you. But if they aren't, if you're not getting what you want and they're not, coming to terms with that and making that effort, you can't keep beating that dead horse. You have to be able to walk away. You just have to, or you're never going to get what you want. Oh my God. You said so much, so much good stuff. Oh, I can't wait for people to hear this freaking episode. This is ridiculous. But okay. Now I would love to hear your thoughts on what are the good and the bad reasons to choose to marry your affair partner? Well, the bad reasons first, because I think the good reasons are semi-obvious, the intimacy, the connection, the place that you came from. People say, oh, that'll just never last. That'll never work. They don't really understand that you're living in a bubble and you are with just each other and you know this person pretty darn well, like you said. And it's just you. I mean, you the, it's, the, it's the most raw intimacy you really can have. And that's why you're there. You're looking for intimacy. So those things, I think, you know, once you can get past all the stuff, like, you know, you and Stan, and you can actually get to the point where you're married, I think you can have a really fulfilling relationship. Because, you know, you, you have had to be pretty brutally honest and you've seen them, you know, in their worst places. The reasons to not are, again, I don't know that there is a reason to not. I think, again, it comes down to fear. You know, you're always going to be afraid that, well, he lied to her, he's lying to me. He cheated on her, he's going to cheat on me. I can only say that in my own experience, I have never been the same in any two relationships. Two people get together and, and play off of each other and have a relationship based on both personalities. It's, you know, my relationship with my AP is nothing like my relationship with my husband, my ex-husband, totally mm -hmm. different, completely different. So you have to think of it that way because I treat my AP very different than I treated my ex-husband. 
and I have trust in my AP and I did not in my ex-husband. And so I could never get to that place where I could trust my ex-husband. He would never, ever be honest, even when it just didn't matter. He wasn't going to be honest. And so I think that you have to let go of those fears and stop saying how you get him is how you're going to lose him. And if he cheated on you, he's going to cheat on her. No, 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 no. I mean, look at your past relationships and ask yourself, have all those patterns repeated in your own relationships? And if that's true, then you aren't learning very much and you're finding the same people over and over and over again. And that's on you. Yeah. How do you get to a place where you've let go of fear? Well, you have to be okay with being alone. You know, so many times we go from one relationship to another, we never really get to know ourselves. And, and I think that is one thing. Another thing is like what you've said, you have to know that no matter what comes your way, you're going to handle it and you're going to be okay. You've been okay up to this point. You've handled everything up to this point. Everything seems to have worked out so far. You have to trust in yourself that and and trust in your higher person, whoever that is, your higher being. And you have to trust that things are going to work out. And that just because you're feeling this way today doesn't mean that's how you're going to feel forever. There's always hope. Uh, I believe, I believe in hope. I believe in, I believe very strongly that things can get better for everybody. Me too. You and I have touched a little bit on the spark that is found between two people. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on what does the spark mean and does it matter that much? The spark is really interesting, isn't it? Because you have no control over that spark. You don't seek it out. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go on a blind date and I'm checking this guy out. Do I like him? And let me interview him. It just doesn't even happen like that. With me, it was just a look, the way that he looked at me, the way that he looked at me and what I felt is, I guess you would say, love at first sight, but I don't even know that I even believed in that. And it wasn't that I knew that right then, it was later that I realized it. But I can honestly say, when we kissed at that cheesy bar, which should have been nothing, there was a moment where it was just, oof, whatever. And then there was a moment where something connected, something just connected and everything changed. And we became completely in sync and all of our movements were in sync and everything. It's almost unexplainable, isn't it? Everything mm -hmm. just aligned. You know, mm -hmm. that's how these ours lined. But it does kind of feel like that. It feels like everything's just kind of aligning and it's almost like a feeling of home. But I say homesickness. Oh, you said it. You said it. Uh, yeah, that feeling of being home, that feeling, but almost like homesickness because it feels like something you've missed or you're missing. It's like finding something you lost and like finding your way home. And it's a, it, like, it's, it's not even a spark. It's a fucking click. It's like, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to touch on with you, just because you make my head really go into interesting places. When I was trying to figure out whether I was going to stay in my marriage or leave, the, the discerning moment for me was like, I felt at home. I felt some sense of belonging 
with Stan. And while that like mattered in that moment and very much mattered in that moment, I think that I've progressed to a place where I can appreciate and value that for what it was in that moment. I no longer feel that Stan is my home or my place of belonging. I feel like my body is my home and my place of belonging now. Like Stan or Kevin and I were talking about this and like how I shouldn't be attached to myself or my experience. But it's interesting that I feel like through my own personal development and my own self-discovery, I've found that the spark was spark mattered then. And it's not so like, like, I don't, I don't have that level of spark with Stan. It's a part of our history and I value it very much, but it's not like this man comes home and the stars align again. Like I'm very grateful for the experience of the spark that I had, but now onto like the back half of that question, how much does the spark matter? It matters so much. And I'll tell you why. When you're at your worst time with Stan and you hate him and you can't stand him and we've all been there in marriage, marriage is a tough gig. You think about that time and that spark and you think about that limerence and you think you remember, you remember why you fell in love with this person. And it does matter if you never had that and you don't have that to fall back on or to remember what, what, where's your, how do you, how do you anchor to your love? I mean, mm. you can anchor your friendship, you can anchor to, to your companionship, right? But how do you anchor to that love? It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm, you know, getting turned on. No, 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 no. That, that it's, it goes past that. It becomes much deeper than that. But the memory of that spark and that you know, when you have your anniversary or when you are in those moments where you're really close, you talk about that. Remember when like you were just so crazy for each other? It matters. Those memories, they they, they hold a lot of people together for a long time and do they make a lot harder. Do you think you'll fall in love again and uh, have that spark with somebody else? Or do you think it's unique to yourself and your affair partner? I think it's possible in my life. I have had intimate relationships. I'm, I think I'm it's just my personality is that I allow that. I'm pretty open. And so I've had a lot of intimate relationships. This one with my affair partners lasted longer than any of them, longer than even my marriage did. So, you know, I believe that we'll always have that connection. And you and I have talked about you know, the fabric of life and, and why we attract to people and, and your energy is always going to come back together. But that's a whole different, that's a whole different animal. But, you know, I think it's all kind of a crapshoot too, isn't it? I mean, it it's, it's really random. You know, I can tell you if I did find someone else, it would be very different than who I'm with right now, because I how strange story and I'll try to land the plane really quickly here but I was riding my bike with my affair partner one day and I fell off my bike really hard and hurt myself I broke my wrist and my affair partner just was standing on his bike staring at me he's a very practical person he's assessing the risk he's a, you know he was a, a eagle scout you know what I mean and all of a sudden this man walks up to me with his dog and he gets down on his hands and knees 
And he's holding my hand and looking at me and he's like, are you okay? Oh my God, I've fallen before. This is just stay there. Take a deep breath. I've got you. And my affair partner looks at me and he's like, she's okay. I can handle this. And he looked at my affair partner and he said, can you? It was awesome because my affair partner was just sitting on his bike staring at me. And people can be so oblivious. Real, right? And the guy wanted to walk me home and, and... I told my affair partner later, even though I appreciate him so much, he took me to the hospital. You got to go to the hospital. I mean, you got to get an x-ray. I do. But that's the kind of person I would, if I fall in love again, that's It's going to be I like that. Fall. Yeah. You're going to be open that. to it. Yeah. That's the guy I want to fall in love with. The one that's down on hands and knees saying, are you okay? <laughs> Julie, you, you are such a bright light, such an inspiration to me. And I really cannot thank you enough for coming on to this podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I have sensations all over my body right now, which I don't understand. And I'm not even going to like really try to right now because I need to go pick up my kid. But and I gotta I, get back to work. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you in our personal conversations and having more of this. And I'll probably be FaceTiming you later today. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was wonderful to talk to you, Chelsea, always. If you are the other woman in your relationship and you love this podcast, you would love the Other Women Community. The Other Women Community is a membership program designed to help other women just like you reclaim their relationship with themselves and heal from their affair. We provide a safe and supportive environment for you to open up and talk about your experiences. We give you the tools and resources you need to grow into an authentic, empowered individual. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing journey, head on over to theotherwomanandthewife.com backslash community to learn more about the membership and all it has to offer.